any religion which demands good works for salvation is a dangerous cult. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Apologist Podcast. I'm your host Nathan, and in this episode, we're going to answer the question, are there many paths to God? A lot of people misunderstand the exclusivity of Christianity and the reason that Jesus died in the first place. These misunderstandings naturally lead to the belief that there are many paths to God or that the primary reason Jesus died was just to give us hope in this life. We are going to thoroughly examine what salvation is, and to do this, we will divide this episode into three sections, those being 1. Why Jesus had to die, 2. How to obtain salvation, and 3. Biblical passages which discuss the exclusive nature of salvation. So, why did Jesus have to die? Before looking at the Bible's explanation for why Jesus died, it must be noted that there have been multiple theories of atonement proposed throughout the history of the church. These theories of atonement basically attempt to provide the reason Jesus died, and a few examples are as follows. We have the ransom theory of atonement, which essentially states that the primary reason Jesus died was to act as a ransom to purchase humanity back from the power of Satan, seeing as he's the ruler of this world. So in this theory of atonement, God had to sacrifice Jesus Christ in order to purchase humans back from the power of the devil. We also have the moral influence theory of atonement, which states that the primary reason Jesus died was to be a demonstration of God's love for humanity so that humans will be influenced by this love and change their hearts. Theologian Miller J. Erickson notes in his book Christian Theology that the advocates of the moral influence theory hold that God's nature is essentially love. They minimize such qualities as justice, holiness, and righteousness. Accordingly, humans need not fear God's justice and punishment. Thus, their problem is not that they have violated God's law and that God will punish them. Rather, human attitudes keep them apart from God. So this theory basically proposes that Jesus died to make us realize how much we need God and need to follow his will. And then we also have something called the Socinian Theory of Atonement, which states that the primary reason Jesus died was to validate his life as an example for us. Concerning this theory, Erickson notes that Jesus' resurrection is important because it is the confirmation of his teachings and promises. So again, this theory doesn't really say much about God's justice. It's more stating that Jesus's death and resurrection is evidence that we should follow him and live our life according to his example. Even though the three theories of atonement we just looked over may have some degree of truth to them, they all miss the mark on what the primary purpose of Jesus's death is. Perhaps the most clear passage in the Bible which acknowledges the reason for Christ's death is 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 4, where Paul states the following. Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I preach to you, for I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 
and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And before examining the meaning of that passage, it must be noted that Paul's statement here is actually believed to have originated from an even earlier Christian creed. According to scholars Elwell and Yarbrough in their book Encountering the New Testament, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians during his two- or three-year ministry in Ephesus in about A.D. 55. This means that before A.D. 55, it was already an understanding among Christians that the primary reason Jesus died was for humanity's sins. Notice that Paul says here that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, acknowledging that other scripture indicates Jesus' sacrifice as being for the sins of humanity. Before examining these other scriptures, it should be acknowledged that the theory of atonement which correctly states that the primary reason Jesus died was to act as a sacrifice to satisfy God's wrath against human sin is known as the theory of penal substitution, also known as the substitutionary atonement of Christ. As seen by 1 Corinthians 15 and the passages we are about to cover, substitutionary atonement is clearly supported by the biblical text. Furthermore, it is the only valid answer to the mystery of how God can be fully just and punish sin, yet also forgive sinners who have accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross is the solution which reconciles God's justice with God's love. When Paul said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he likely had the Old Testament passage of Isaiah 53 in mind. This passage contains a beautiful prophecy of the Messiah and is actually great evidence that the Bible is inspired by God, seeing as it predicts multiple details about the life of Jesus over 700 years before his birth. Isaiah 53 states that concerning a future servant of the Lord, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he has put him to grief, when he shall make his soul an offering for sin. And so, notice that Isaiah says here, that God has laid the iniquity of the world on the Messiah, but it pleased the Lord to do this because he has put him to grief as an offering for our sin. And that offering is necessary because God's justice demands that he punishes every and all sin. There are also multiple verses in the New Testament which clearly describe the purpose of Jesus' atoning sacrifice as being a penal substitution for the sins of humanity. A great example can be found in 1 Peter 2 verses 24 to 25, which states that Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Notice that Peter actually quotes Isaiah 53 here, 
mentioning that we are like sheep who have gone astray and that we have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. In the very next chapter, Peter also acknowledges that Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. In Romans 3 verses 24 to 25, Paul declares that Christians are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. Paul also notes in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This passage is very important to the validity of penal substitution because it acknowledges that Jesus Christ has no sin. The fact that Jesus is sinless is essential in understanding penal substitution because his perfect life acts as a substitute for your sinful life when you are judged by God if you have accepted the gospel. Jesus also told the Jews in John 8:24 that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. This statement clearly implies that believing on Jesus Christ will have the result of covering one's sins, which supports the theory of penal substitution. Other verses which support the penal substitution of Christ's atoning sacrifice include John 1.29, Galatians 3.10-13, Colossians 2.13-15, and Hebrews 9.26. Now, let's talk about what it means to be saved from your sins. And we covered this in the last episode, but basically, because God is just and cannot let any sin go unpunished, he must punish sin. And the last episode, we saw that the ultimate punishment for one's sin is an eternity in hell, which the Bible describes as unending conscious torment in a lake of fire made for the devil and his angels. Because common sense and Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, any human being who does not have their sins covered by the blood of Jesus Christ will suffer an eternity in hell. That's why these other theories of atonement which say that Jesus died to you know save us from the pain in this life or Jesus died to give us an example. Well, yes, those are true because, of course, we should try to mimic our life after Jesus, and he does offer us relief from pain and suffering in this life. But the primary purpose of his death was to save us from God's justice because we as human beings are guilty sinners. And a lot of people don't like to hear this, especially in today's world, but we deserve an eternity in hell for our sin. We don't deserve a nice house or a nice car or a comfortable life. We deserve an eternity in torment due to our sin. But because God loves humanity, he entered his creation as Jesus Christ and was crucified on the cross to provide us a sacrifice, an atonement for our sin so that all who accept that atonement by faith alone in his work will have their sins covered. Now that we have seen that Jesus died to offer penal substitution for mankind's sin, we will look at the details of what the Bible says about how one can receive salvation 
by having the righteousness of Jesus imputed onto them. So this leads us to our second section of this podcast, which is how can one obtain salvation? The Bible states that salvation is only obtained by faith alone on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you acknowledge your guilty status before God due to your sin and personally accept the work of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, which is that he lived a perfect life without sin and was crucified and rose again as a substitute for you to appease God's wrath, then you will be saved. Faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation. Adding anything to this is heresy. See, the whole premise of Christianity is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as seen in Psalm 14.3, Ecclesiastes 7.20, Romans 5.12, Mark 10.18, etc. James 2 notes that whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. This means that it is impossible for you to be justified before God by your works, because by your works you have already sinned and fallen short. Because you have already blown it, no amount of good works you do can ever cover the sins you have already committed. Because God is true to his character, he must punish all sin so that justice may prevail. Hebrews 9 verse 22 notes that without shedding of blood is no remission. So, how can God forgive sin while also maintaining his just nature? The work done by Jesus Christ on the cross has solved this mystery because it explains that God is able to save sinners by offering a substitute for their sin. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus' atoning sacrifice, because if God judges any of us by our works, then we will fail. And if you actually think that you would live up to God's righteous standard based on your works, I encourage you to go read through the hundreds of commands in the Old Testament and see if you've kept every single one of them for your entire life. Even just looking at the Ten Commandments, we see that every human being has failed to keep God's perfect law. Because the Ten Commandments say things like, Do not lie. Do not commit adultery. Which, mind you, Jesus said that just looking at someone with lust is the equivalent of committing adultery in your own heart. The Ten Commandments say that you should not murder. And Jesus said that just hating somebody without a just cause is the equivalent of you murdering them in your heart. So it is obvious that every single human being has fallen short of God's glory, which is exactly what Romans 3 says, and that because of that, we need the blood of Jesus Christ to atone for our sins. Because if we have not accepted the gospel of Jesus, then God will judge us by every deed or thought that we have had in this life. And because James 2.10 tells us that in order to pass God's test of righteousness, we must keep the entire law and not offend it in one point, we have all broken God's law and are therefore guilty before a holy God. And that's why Jesus had to die. That's why the theory of penal substitution is the only adequate theory which properly explains why Jesus came into the world and died and that's what the Bible supports, too. The Bible supports that God is so just, he must punish all sin, 
and that that punishment is an eternity in hell. But thank the grace of God that he has offered you a way out. And this is why Paul emphatically declares in Romans 3 verse 20 that by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And in verse 28, that we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And when Paul uses the phrase the law, that means your works. So you're not justified by your deeds or your actions. You are only justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16 states that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 say that by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Galatians 2.21 states that if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In John 5.24, Jesus said that he who hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Romans 4.5 states that to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And we have so many verses that support salvation as being by faith alone in the gospel of Jesus. Uh, just some more for you. We have John 6, 47, Galatians 3, 11, Acts 16, 31, Philippians 3, 9, John 3, 16, Romans 10, 9 to 10, etc., so the number of verses which support salvation as being by faith alone in the person and work of Jesus Christ are so numerous that God really makes it clear in his word that we are saved by faith alone. A great passage which demonstrates the necessity of understanding that salvation is by faith alone without any works is Romans 10 verses 1 to 4, where Paul states, that my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes." And now this is a very important passage because Paul, he's saying that Israel, they have a zeal for God, right? Because they try to keep the commandments. Um, they are very devoted in their practices. But he's saying that they have missed the mark because they are ignorant of how God declares people righteous, which is by faith alone. And the proof of this is that they are going about trying to establish their own righteousness. So Paul is explicitly stating here, that if somebody is going about trying to establish their own righteousness, then they are ignorant of God's righteousness because Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. 
And so this is one of the most solid passages which demonstrate how important it is to actually understand the gospel. Because Paul is declaring here that anyone who thinks their works have anything to do with their justification before God actually does not understand the gospel and is therefore not saved. Because you need to understand and accept that your salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And if you add to that in any way, if you're trying to work your way to heaven in any way, then you are ignorant of God's righteousness and you currently stand condemned before God. This is why any religion which demands good works for salvation is a dangerous cult that is leading people to hell. If a religion says you need to be baptized in water to be saved, it's preaching a false gospel. If a religion says you need to confess your sins to a priest to be saved, it's preaching a false gospel. If your religion says you need to keep their idea of the Sabbath to be saved, or maintain any dietary laws to be saved, it's preaching a false gospel. Faith in Jesus plus anything is a false gospel. The only true understanding of the gospel is faith alone in the work and person of Jesus Christ alone. Adding or subtracting anything to this is heresy. While yes, following the will of God and keeping his commands are important for one's sanctification, these works have nothing to do with one's justification. Recall that justification occurs the moment one becomes born again by fully putting their faith on Christ as Lord and Savior. Justification is how one escapes eternal hellfire for their sin, and once a Christian has been justified, then they can never lose their justification. Sanctification occurs directly after one is justified and will inevitably fluctuate throughout a Christian's life because it involves effort by the believer. However, failure to properly sanctify oneself only leads to correction by God in this life and losses of rewards in heaven, but it will never lead to one losing their justification. And if you want more information on this topic, you can go ahead and listen to episode number 8 of this podcast, which is titled, Can Christians Lose Their Salvation? Now, it is obviously good for Christians to work on their sanctification, but when someone thinks that works of sanctification affect their justification, that's when you have a damnable heresy, because at that point you are relying on your works to justify you before God and save you from hell, which only faith in the blood of Jesus can do. In other words, Christians are saved from hell by faith alone, but after one has been saved, the degree of benefit they will receive by being a child of God depends on their works and obedience to Him. So once you're saved, you're always part of God's family. It's just your relationship will go through peaks and valleys depending on how well you as a Christian listen to God and obey His will. So far, we have seen that because God is just, He must punish every sin. The reason Jesus died is to offer a way of salvation to humans because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is commonly known as the penal substitution theory of atonement and explains how Jesus' work on the cross provides an answer to how God's mercy can be reconciled with his justice.
We have also seen that the salvation offered by Jesus Christ is only obtained by faith alone in him and his substitutionary atonement. This is clearly seen in a multitude of verses, such as Paul's statement in Romans 3.28, that we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Just by studying why Jesus died and what salvation is, it is clear that there is only one way for salvation. However, just to emphasize this point, we will now look at verses which attest to the exclusivity of Christianity. Perhaps the most clear statement that Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation can be found in words spoken by Jesus himself. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus says that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus is plainly saying here that he is the only path to God the Father. A few chapters earlier in John 8:24, Jesus also said that if you do not believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So, from these two passages in John, we see that Jesus taught the only way to salvation was to believe on him as Lord. That's the only way one can get their sins forgiven. It is true that Christianity is inclusive in the sense that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God doesn't discriminate based on skin color, biological sex, age, or nationality. However, Christianity is extremely exclusive in that faith on Jesus is the only way to obtain salvation. Jesus said that anyone who comes to him, he will in no wise cast out, and that's true. However, coming to Jesus is the only way that you can have your sins forgiven by God. The exclusivity of salvation can also be seen in Jesus' prayer to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. This event takes place the night before the crucifixion, and it is clear that Jesus knows what will happen to him. Though Jesus has knowledge of his crucifixion, he still feels discomfort at the thought of this happening. And he feels so much discomfort that Matthew 26 verse 39 records him as praying and saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we see here that God the Son is having a conversation with God the Father, and he is asking if there could be any other way for the sins of humanity to be forgiven that does not involve him having to die. However, God tells us in Hebrews 9.22, that without shedding of blood is no remission. So, the only way for sinful man to be reconciled to God is if a sinless substitute absorbed the wrath that we deserve. And Jesus Christ is that only substitute. Jesus' prayer to the Father here demonstrates that there is no other way for salvation because he specifically asked the Father, if it be possible to let this cup pass from him. The fact that Jesus did have to be crucified and rise again means that understanding and accepting his work on your behalf is the only way to be saved. This is why 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 to 9 state that, To you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, 
taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. If anyone does not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means accepting his sacrifice on faith alone, then they will face everlasting punishment, as seen here in 2 Thessalonians 1. And I think it's critical to note here that the exclusivity of Jesus' atonement forms the entire basis for Christianity. Because if there was any other way to be saved, then there would be no demand to preach the gospel. If there were many paths to God, then there would be no reason to be a Christian. But because being a Christian is the only way to have your sins forgiven, that is why the Bible emphasizes the importance of preaching the gospel to others so they can have their sins forgiven and escape the torments of hell. And that's all for this episode. Uh, I hope this has made you understand and appreciate just how important the exclusive nature of salvation is. Because God is just, he must punish sin. Because every human being has sinned, we all deserve punishment. Because God loves you, God entered his creation as the man Jesus Christ and lived the sinless life that you never could. Because only Jesus is sinless, he is the only proper substitute that could have absorbed the wrath that you deserve. Because Jesus absorbed the wrath that you deserve, the only way for you to escape that wrath is to accept by faith alone who he is and what he has done for you. No amount of works you do could ever justify yourself before God because our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. So, to answer the question posed at the beginning of this episode, are there many paths that lead to God? The answer is 100% no. Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins forgiven and get to heaven. Every single human being who does not accept the gospel will spend an eternity in hell as the punishment they deserve for their sin. I pray that this episode has increased your knowledge of the Bible and that learning about the nature of Jesus' sacrifice will encourage you to go out and preach the good news to others. Thank you all for listening. Bye.